Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 70, the Dmitry Kulikov episode of the DFO Rundown. It's brought to you by, as always, Fantrax. Getting close. Season starts on Wednesday. Get in now. It's the best customizable fantasy platform out there. If you want a keeper league, a dynasty league, a redraft league, get it all. And if you go to fantrax.com slash DFO rundown, you will get the opportunity to win a signed Nathan McKinnon jersey. So uh, get in quickly. Uh, Frank, welcome to the show. Jason, what's going on? It's finally arrived. The start of the season. Start of the season's here, yes. Uh, happy uh, Thanksgiving Day to uh, all of our uh, Canadian uh, listeners and viewers. And I think uh, in the U.S. now, it's a uh, happy uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct, yep. Yeah, so uh, either way, everybody's celebrating a day off. So, uh, so that is nice. Except for us. Yes, except for us. Uh, you're doing double duty today. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later on in the program. As I welcome Frank into the uh, woodjerseys.com studio. See the brand new one? Seattle. It's looking good, looking real good. The details, fantastic. You'll see Frank's Toronto Maple Leafs one. You can get all the teams. Check it out at woodjerseys.com. It looks great in your fan cave or studio. And uh, Frank, there's uh, there's lots to get to. Um, before we get to our Western Conference preview, because we did the East last episode, um, two big contracts uh, announced. Uh, we, we touched on a little bit. We didn't have the details in the pod on Friday at the time. But uh, Barkoff gets the uh, the $10 million deal for him. The at, hometown uh, eight, discount. Yeah, well, hometown discount, still 10 bills. And then you, well, then you look at Zabanajad, and he gets uh, his at uh, 8.5 for eight years. Which deal do you like better? Well, it's hard not to love the Barkov deal for the reasons I just mentioned. I mean, I saw Alexander Barkov with what he provides, how he produces, being a Selkie candidate every year. I, I see him as 11, 11 and a half. You could, you could make the argument he's a $12 million player, I think. And to get him in at 10 uh, is an enormous win for the Florida Panthers. And I thought it was really interesting. I don't know if people picked up on this or not, but – on his Instagram, I think Jonathan Huberto had a post, and it was something like, uh, you know, so happy for Sasha, congratulations, blah, 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 the usual. And then Barkov left a little comment under there, I saved some cookies for you. And I was like, huh. I mean, and that's really the basis of it, right, is I think the Panthers went to Barkov and said, look, your goal is to win. Our goal is to win. We want to make you a, a really wealthy person how can we do this in a way that also allows us to re-up Jonathan Huberto in a year's time when he comes up? Huberto, I think two straight seasons in the top 10 in scoring. Uh, he's going to be due a, a sizable raise as well. And so I, I think he probably comes in somewhere. If Barkov's in the 10s, Huberto's in the 9s, I would guess, somewhere in that range. And, you know, that sets the table for Bill Zito in terms of what he needs to accomplish. Yeah, I really wonder how many players at some point are going to look and say, okay, you know what? Yeah, I want my money, but I want to win. And there's not, you can't put a price on that. And it's it's pretty clear that hockey is still an ultimate team sport. And, you know, if, if you take an extra million or what, because you think that's what you're worth, well, that's really the difference of a, of a trade deadline acquisition of getting a Blake Coleman, for instance, like Tampa Bay did, or a Barkley Goudreau. And those guys are hugely important to the success of a team come playoff time. And I'm curious as they go forward, because, you know, you're, you're seeing more of a gap between the top end player salaries and the bottom end, but the bottom end guys still play a lot come playoff time. They do, but I mean, if you look at Florida's cap situation, you're going okay. Ten million bucks for Sergey Bobrovsky, like, oh yeah, that's even be our starter. Like, I mean, like that's where you get caught up in trouble. It's not. Yes. It's not with you can never go wrong with Barkov signing him to an eight figure deal. You just can't. Um, he's that key to your team's success. Sergey Bobrovsky, I, like that contract, like. <clears throat> It still blows my mind because if you think back to it, there was such a little market for him. So few teams could afford to pay him. It was the Islanders or the Panthers. That's what it came down to. And I don't know, feel like they bluffed their way to an unbelievable deal. He probably should be making half or six and a half or seven in terms of a reasonable AAV on a five-year deal, something like that. 
Oh, wholeheartedly, man. The minute, like, there's a few contracts. The minute they were signed, before the ink was even dry, you're like, this is a bad contract. Uh, there's that one. The Jeff Skinner coming off his only 40 goal season. You're paying him $9 million for a, for a small winger who's basically a 60 point player. That was ridiculous, too. So um, Zibanejad in New York's an interesting one for me because uh, if you look at his last three years, it's been 74, 75. And if you prorated last season, it'd be 73 points. So that's pretty consistent. Now, the 75-point season came when he just lit it up in the second half of 2020. and like uh, 20, 20 goals in 21 games or something yeah, like that he to was, finish. He was the hottest goal scorer in the NHL that year, finished with 41 in 57 games, right? Like he was on fire, but that's a little bit of an outlier season, I think, for him. He's probably, a, you know, for the next few seasons, I think you look and say, hey, if Zibanejad can get us 73 to 77 points, you know, maybe one year he bumps it up to 82 or three or four. That's all right. And I look at the Rangers, though. It's funny, Frank. The Rangers haven't won anything. Adam Fox is due a contract at the end of this season. You know, um, they're, they're going to have Capo Caco coming up in Lafreniere. Like, they got a lot of money. And their goaltender. They got a lot of money already committed to guys. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do moving forward with their salary cap situation. Because Ryan Strom right now with the Zibanejad raise, it's almost impossible. Like, he signed a one-year deal. I don't think they can afford him next summer. Yeah, look, he may very well see the same fate that Pavel Buchnevich did, right? Like yep. you're taking a 60-point player and you have to unload him purely for cap reasons, taking a really good player out of your lineup. I would imagine that Strom faces the similar type situation. I mean, what do you pay Ryan Strom? And to the same effect, I would have to think that the, Z the Zibanejad contract takes the Rangers pretty much out of the mix for, for Jack, Eichel. Jack Eichel. I mean, look, you have Panarin at 11-6, you're going to now have Zibanejad at 8'5", uh, Zibanejad being your top-line center. How, do you really have room for another $10 million player? I mean, I, I don't see it unless the Sabres are willing to retain a bit, and I don't see any reason why they would. Uh, obviously, they have the cap room now, but if you think that team's going to be any good in the next five years, you don't want to be retaining a significant amount, maybe a little bit to make it happen. Um, but I, I think, you know, the Rangers are pretty well-constituted provided that they can get these next this next wave of players to really make a dent. And we talked about them in our Eastern Conference preview, but, um, you know, I, I really, I like the Zibanejad contract. I think it's reasonable to start. My only concern is that since it is eight years, what does he look like in years yes. five, six, seven, eight? Because I think he's one of those guys that could age really poorly. But I think if you're the Rangers, you're saying that's another management team's problem to have. A hundred percent. It is a fair comment about very few GMs look eight years down the road. It's why I think if the, if the NHLPA wanted more active money staying in when the salary cap goes up, I've always said it uh, after the age of 28, five year max contracts. Just do it because if Zibanejad got five years and whatever, he got nine million instead of 8.5, you know, then, then at the end of those three seasons, he's still making 45 million. He'll still probably get a contract after that. It just won't be 8.5. And I don't know if the PA would ever agree to do it. Well, I was going to say, why would that be in the PA's interest to enact that kind of term limit? Well, because it saves rather than having there's look at how many buyouts over the years the Rangers had. So now you have guys who aren't even in the NHL taking away money from your salary cap. Uh, yeah, I get it, but it, those players are also that's for Zabanajad. That's the difference of like twenty some million dollars in security. No, no, I get, but it's a small percentage of players, right? So the, right. it's benefiting the majority for an extreme small percentage of the minority right now. And I just wonder if that would ever switch. If the and the thing is, it benefits the teams and it benefits the whole collective group of the PA if they look at a big picture, right? And like you look, look at the NBA. And, and the NBA relies on their superstars more because they simply play more minutes mm -hmm. and they, they only have a maximum. Game. They only have a maximum five years. You know, uh, this is a, a really interesting diversion, but I was having this conversation with a, a front office staff member from around the league this week. And I said, we were talking about the NBA and how the players play all those minutes. And, and this just, you know, if, have me go on this rant for a second, if you don't mind. What, what if, you know, you, you and I, I made this argument about Barkov, actually. This is how it started. I said, you could make the argument Barkov is worth a lot more than 10. And he said to me, well, you could make the argument that no player in the NHL is worth more than 10. And I was like, what about Connor McDavid? He's probably worth 20 in the real scheme of, you know, the cap and how it works. And he said, it, for my money, 
no one is worth that kind of money because it's he only plays 22, 25, 26 minutes a night if he's lucky. And I was saying, well, what happens if, in Connor McDavid's case, we're going to say we're going to play him 35 minutes a night. We're going to run him out there every other shift. We're going to use him after every TV timeout. We're going to use him to start periods. We're going to take our timeout and use him then. Find creative ways to get him a break and get him right back out there. 30 seconds, a minute, right back out. And the thinking was Connor McDavid for the difference between the 20 some that he plays now and 35 or whatever the number is for that length of time, a does his body adapt and B is Connor McDavid, even at 50% worth and makes your team so much better than another player at a hundred percent. And his answer was like, no way that'll never work because your body just shuts down when you play at that type of speed your heart rate at somewhere between 160 and 180 for that stretch of time while you're on the ice, your body just shuts down and can never handle it, can't do it. But I'm looking at McDavid, I'm going 2209 last season, career average 2133. How, how can we find a way to get that much more out of these guys? Is he really playing the most that he could to make your team better? Well, Frank, Have you thought about that at all, dude, I've I've debated that for many years with people. Now, I didn't go as high as 35, but I was like, you know what? Why, why can't you get up to 28 or 29? It would have to be a change in a mindset of how you watch. So you wouldn't expect Connor McDavid to have to give you maximum back pressure on every shift. Right. Because you'd look and say the reality is not every uh, odd man rush turns into a goal anyway. If you just look, if you're just playing the odds, because if you watch the NBA superstars, they're not they're not up and down the floor every time. Now, it's a different game. Sometimes you'll go slow. They got a shot clock. So I understand that. But you also can glide in hockey. You can't glide when you're running or walking. And I looked at McDavid and and I actually talked to Connor about this. And Connor's played some games of 27, 28 minutes a night. He said, I didn't feel any different. Now, you know, there was even times he went back to back where he played 27 and 28 minutes. And I think what it is, Frank, it's really most of us as a human, as a human race, we are opposed to change. This is what we see. This is what we like. This is what it's always done. But if you go back to the 80s, they didn't track time on ice. And there was lots of people who swore that Gretzky played 28, 29 minutes a night a lot of the times. Now, the game was a little bit slower pace. But if Connor McDavid even slows down and plays 80% of his speed. I said 50 yeah, but he's Connor still McDavid fun. at 50 is so much better <laughs> yes. than half the, the Oilers lineup, the bottom six at, at, at 100. And plus, if McDavid starts doing it, then Matthews does it. And then Pasternak does, does it. it and and yeah. Marshall. So every other team is starting to do it. Now, it's not a happens, mindset to me in terms of the players changing. It's a mindset in terms of the coach changing. Yes, agreed. You said you hit the key point already in this show, the ultimate team sport. Maybe like, I'm not, I, everyone loves the team dynamic and all the hockey cliches that go with it. We, instead of me, all those other things. That's great. But I think the game would be better for yes. it. Yes. Oh, you get rid Especially of. Especially if more mistakes are made in addition to that. Yeah, it would lead to more goals, which seemingly is what the NHL's really deep down opposed to, because somehow more goals means that the, the more celebrated. And I'm like, do you watch the NFL? The NFL has more points now than they've ever had. I don't hear anybody saying, wow, there's too much offense in the NFL. Like, if there is, there are 0.01% of people complaining. I, I'm with you, Frank. playing 2209 is insane. Yeah. Like, that is a Ferrari more. that's capable of easily playing 30 plus a night. Yet it's the team dynamic, this idea that we need to get our third and fourth line active and activated. I don't know what sense that. Like, I, I'm starting to think that that that's a significant change that the game needs to make. I would, I this would is be a philosophical it. discussion yes. that you'd have to get a, someone's going to do it at some point. Someone's going to start pushing the envelope. I don't know why teams think that, you know, the body will adapt. The human body does amazing things. Like they'll find a way to keep playing and get more out of these guys. Oh, Hey, remember when the, the AHL used to only dress uh, 10 forwards, Right. So it's not like in pro sports, there hasn't been examples where it's been used. So it's definitely worth looking into, Frank. I would be, you will get zero complaints from me. I would be right behind you leading the charge to say, have the best players Who's play do more it? minutes. Who's yeah. going to have the courage to do it? I'd be all over it. All over it. Now, let's get to our uh, Western 
uh, conference rundown presented by ESPN Plus. And they become a must-have for hockey fans. Get access to more than 1,000 out-of-market NHL games and 75 weekly national games. Plus, stream thousands of live events from the best leagues and the biggest tournaments in the world. Exclusive originals, the complete 30 for 30 library, premium articles, and fantasy tools. And also much more with ESPN+. Plus. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com slash NHL slash DFO. Look, if you're in the U.S., that's the only way to watch hockey this year. That's how I'll be watching all my hockey is on ESPN Plus because there is no more NHL TV anymore. There's no Game Center. This is it. This is the only option to watch all the out-of-market games. And uh, they're going to have lots of new camera angles and everything too, Frank. Are they not? Yeah, we saw that from uh, Gary Bettman this morning making an appearance on Good Morning America. The commissioner saying five new camera angles. So um, interesting to see what that broadcast looks like. Uh, you know what? I think that would also be a great thing because the one thing about the NHL is the camera angles being so far away, as fast as the game is, I still don't think it gives it a true feel of how fast it is. Because you ask anybody, you go sit down in the first three rows of the game, and then you go sit at the, at the first row of the second deck. The game looks infinitely slower, even though it isn't. It's just vantage point. So then you take that into consideration. So I hope these camera angles are more close to ice level and grasps the, and allows to really accentuate the speed of the game. And I think it's going to bl- blow the minds because there's very, even, even the diehard fans, there's very few who get to sit low enough to really see how fast it is. Yeah. And that's the difference. I encourage everyone, if you can, any reporter out there that likes to criticize from their perch go down and watch it from the first row or two and it's a different game no oh, it's a mind-blowing different all right let's start in the uh, in the central division frank uh, give me your one through eight teams to make the playoffs okay, okay i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say colorado at number one winnipeg two minnesota three dallas four st louis five Chicago six, Nashville seven, Arizona eight. Hmm. All right. And I have, yeah, well, Colorado shocking. I think we all pick Colorado. Uh, everybody in the league, I think, pick Colorado to finish first in the central. Uh, then I have Minnesota, or sorry, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Dallas, Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, Arizona. You know what's fascinating? The lack of respect that the Winnipeg Jets have gotten. You look on points bet, I think they're plus 1,700 to win the conference, plus 4,040 to one to win the Stanley Cup. Like, why not? Why not that team? And the Jets are, I like their team. They got, they got Connor Hellebuck, man. Anytime you got that, like he stole them the series against that. Edmonton outplayed them in almost every game. And Connor Hellebuck was the difference. Like he was unreal. And the team has playoff success. They've won four, uh, I think it's three rounds in the last four years. They got to the conference final in 18. They've got one of the best top six forward groups in hockey. Yep. They bolstered their blue line. They finally sort of found the duo to replace Dustin Bufflin, which I think really hurt that team last year. Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon on the trade market. And you mentioned Hellebuck in net. Like uh, That team, to me, has all the components of, of really being a heavyweight contender coming out of the West. Yeah, there's lots I like about their team there. You, you, you would hope maybe they would augment their defense a little bit, and that's something that maybe happens at the trade deadline. But uh, goaltending and forwards, I think, are right up there, can compete with a lot of teams, no question. Like, I think they clearly have, uh, I would say, they got better goaltending than Colorado when, they, when the season starts. I don't think there's any question there. So, um, I, well, I mean, I picked Darcy Kemper to win the Vezina, so I don't know if I agree. No, okay. Well, well, I think he I, was the best goalie available, and they went out and got him. Yeah. I think, well, he's at full, I think if he's at full health, yeah. he was the best goalie available this summer by a mile. Was he better than Grubauer? I think so. Okay. Because the last six years in the NHL, Grubauer is one of only three goalies over six years combined to have a 920 save percentage or higher. And the highest is Ben Bishop at 922. So you're talking, you know, points. I think what, what Kemper was at something like 917 and he yep. played on god awful teams in Arizona. Grubauer yeah. at least did it in Washington and Colorado. Yeah. Um, no, His I like career average. Kemper. So Kemper's career, uh, career average over four years in Arizona was exactly 920. And his career average over nine years in the NHL is 917. 
So I don't know. To me, I think he was the best goalie available. All right. Well, then, uh, then they got it. So we'll see Colorado. Um, Colorado is pretty good, man. Their, their biggest issue right now is they get injured at the worst time. Like they've had such terrible luck with injuries at the worst part of the season near the playoffs the last few years. And so if they could, if they could somehow uh, avoid that, then, uh, then I think Colorado's definitely have a, a really deep playoff run. Now let's deep. go to wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. The one team not getting any respect, not people aren't talking about nearly enough, Jay. The Dallas Stars. I think they just had everything that could go wrong for them last year go wrong. Yep. They're much healthier now. And I think they've bolstered their team a little bit. That defense is going to move the puck like nobody's business with the way that they're able to skate. They add a really subtle defenseman in Yanni Hockenpah that rounds out their top six. Their goaltending, they have too many goalies. Ottinger, Hudobin, Holpe. I mean, if Ben Bishop gets healthy, what are they going to do in the crease? All good problems to have. Ryan Suter has plenty of game left. And the way that they retooled their bottom six, Luke Glendening comes in. I think he's a fantastic face-off guy. Michael Raffle can give you some speed on the wing. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think this Stars team could be a really sneaky dark horse after having so much success in the bubble, getting close, have that last year, people stop talking about you, they forget about you, to come back and be really strong. Yeah, I, I really like Dallas when the playoffs begin. I think that's a team that's built to win in the playoffs. And, you know, in the regular season, I don't think they have the horses to run with Colorado and maybe not even Winnipeg's top six. But the playoffs, we all know, is just a different style of game. And, yeah, you're right. Come playoff time, the Dallas Stars, um, again, right, like Tyler Sagan's coming off uh, an injury. You know, how much, how, how good is he going to be? How much big of a boost will that be to their offense? I would think significant, of course. My big question, Frank, is, you know, is this going to, is Jamie Ben going to bounce back? back to being the player that, that we kind of thought he was for three or four years. Yeah. I mean, and Tyler Sagan for that matter too. I mean, how, how healthy is he? Is he able to get back? Is he 90% of what he once was? Is he 95? Um, you know, there's lots of question marks about both those guys earning some real significant cash on the cap as well. I want to ask you too about Chicago. How much did you flirt with them being a playoff team how close do you think they are and, and what are the odds they get in? Well, I would give away my playoff teams if I answer that now, but uh, I actually have Chicago in the playoffs. Um, I well, think so, the, run, so wait, run through your, your eight again for me. I have Colorado, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Dallas, Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, Arizona. So, so I have that means five, you got five Central. coming from the yeah. central. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, what do I you th- not like about St. Louis? Well, I, like Chicago has basically added six significant pieces because like Jonathan Taze didn't play last year. Kirby Doc played 18 games coming off an injury. Um, so to me, the, those are your, your one and two centers that you have now this year. Mm-hmm. Then you throw in Seth Jones. You throw in McCabe, who I think is grossly underrated. He's a really good defenseman. You throw in Marc-Andre Fleury, um, who's going to help their team. My, my biggest question is, is Chicago's defensive system going to change? Because every, I talked to players, I talked to scouts, they felt their defensive structure last year was awful. And so is, are they going to tweak that? If they do with the talent they have, I just think that they got, they got more talent. St. Louis. Did you mention Seth Jones? Yeah, I mentioned Seth Jones and McCabe. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, because think about that's that's basically your top two defense, Frank, your top two centers and your starting goalie. Mm -hmm. That's pretty significant changes. Right. So um, I look at St. Louis. I I don't know if St. Louis, maybe I don't know why they just there's something about their team. speed. I could be easily wrong. Yeah, I could be easily wrong with them. But I something about the Blues just they don't. I don't know. They don't seem to have the, the team makeup. I'm, I'm not sure how, you know, like how's the Tarasenko factor going to be? That's a big wild card uh, for me. And like, I, I like, I think they're like overpaying the, a couple defensemen. Well, the problem with their defense, Frank is like, they still got Pareko, but you look at their Stanley cup winning defense to their defense. Now it's significantly different. And you talked on the last pod about a guy who's grossly underrated, who brings you a lot is Joel Edmondson. Right. So he's gone. You got Petrangelo gone. Like you got Jay Bowmeister, of course. Yeah, he retired. Different story. But th- when they won the, the when they won the cup, their defense was mobile and huge. Right. Mm-hmm. Excluding Vince Dunn. But Vince Dunn could still skate. Right. He played a good role in the third pair. Now their defense has a lot of guys. But Tory Krug's 
playing lots of minutes, Falk's playing lots of minutes. I'm just not sure they're as good defensively as they were when they won the cup. Well, and they're paying those guys all pretty significant numbers. Falk, Krug, and Pareko, 6'5 a year through 2026-27. And the other question mark is, I have a little bit of an uneasy feeling about Jordan Bennington. Hmm. I don't think he was nearly good enough last year at 9'10". Um, I do like the Buchnevich edition. Yes. I think Saad will give you some, you know, he'll chip in his 20 goals here. But, I mean, when you think about the pieces that they plucked off of that team, you know, they're just missing a lot of goals. Schwartz, Hoffman, all that. I mean, it's that's a lot of guys that, that aren't going to be producing. I mean, I'm with you. I, I think St. Louis sneaks in at the end of the season, but I actually have – uh, Craig Berube in my 32 bold predictions today. That's on dailyfaceoff.com. I have him as the first coaching change. Um, he enters this season on the last year of his deal. The fact that there hasn't been an extension after two first round exits. Yes, they won the Stanley cup. This is their third season since, but those two first round exits, I think have him on the hot seat a little bit, uh, especially without a deal following this year. Interesting. Like, I, I'll be honest, like when it came down to St. Louis and Chicago for that last spot, it was it was very tight. Like if the Blues get in, I won't be surprised at all. Right. Like I'm st- my, my one asterisk beside the Blackhawks is, well, they've added all this talent and also added Tyler Johnson is is their defensive structure going to be any because if you have all the good players, but your defensive structure isn't mm-hmm. good then basically you're, you're neutering your, your good players. So that, mm-hmm. that to me is going to be the wall card, but man, Patrick Kane, like that guy, he's kind of the freedom fighter of offensive players in the NHL. Because if you look around the league, like when you, McDavid and dry settle, they're both elite, but they still get to play in the power play together. McDavid. Uh, and then you got Marner and Matthews and you got Pasternak and Marchant and you got McKinnon and Ranton. And then there's old Patrick Kane and he's out there flying around scoring 30 or 40 more points than anyone else on his team pretty much every year, except when Panarin wasn't there. And it's like, I know the Brinkat's come up last year, but I don't put the Brinkat in the Marner or the Ranton or the dry side. Not yet. Consideration. He's got to do it again. Yeah. And so I just, Patrick Kane, what he's done, um, you know, the last few seasons in Chicago is truly amazing and shows like for me still, when he gets the puck on a stick in the offensive zone and he starts winding it up and he starts low and then he starts, he's the most dangerous player in the league because he's so confident with the puck and he just, like you talk mm-hmm. to defenders, he's like McDavid kills you off the rush, but off of that offensive high cycle and no one does it like Kane, I think he's the best in the league at that specific play. I, I could see them getting in. I mean, there's been lots of buzz about Chicago and whether they're close or not, but I don't know. I could see it for sure. I just don't have them there just yet. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, yeah, there's going to be a, hey, the Central's to me kind of like the Metro. There's going to be a good team who misses, maybe two. Mm-hmm. So now let's get to the uh, Pacific Division, Frank. Um, for me, I, I thought the uh, the top three, I, I think there's there's – three obvious top three for me. And then after that, it's, it's kind of a wild card as who's going to, who's going to finish next. Um, I actually have Edmonton for the first time since I've worked in media, picking them to win a division. They haven't won a division. They have the longest uh, division uh, winning drought in the NHL. The last time they finished first in their division was 1987. The Islanders is 88, but the orders is 87. And I think that they, uh, they end that this year. They'll finish first followed by Vegas. Then Vancouver. I saw your pick come in, by the way, and I was like, well, this guy, what a homer. <laughs> Dude, I've never, trust me, I picked the orders, finished last more times than I've ever finished to pick the playoffs. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Then I have Calgary, LA, Seattle, San Jose, and Anaheim. Hmm. Okay, so we're, we're pretty similar. We have Calgary and LA flip flop. And I'm with you, though. I think only three teams get in from the Pacific. I've got uh, Vegas one, though. Edmonton two, Vancouver three, LA four, Calgary five, Seattle six, Anaheim seven, and San Jose eight. Oh, you have the Sharks eight, Anaheim and Sharks switched. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the hard part for me was figuring out the third, fourth, and fifth spot. I think that's where the the biggest jumble is. I I like Vancouver to get in and have a big bounce back year. Um, yes. You have a healthy Elias Pettersson. Uh, you add a Connor Garland. I, honestly, I think Oliver Ekman Larson is going to have a really good season. Me too. I think he's going to bounce back in a big way. You, you reshape your your defense a bit, add in some vets, and I think Thatcher Demko is right up there with some of the best in the league. I see Vancouver in the sports books. They, uh, points bet has Vancouver at eighty eight and a half as their over. 
over. Yeah, yeah, I would take over on that for sure. Um, I Because it's not like Garland and Oliver ekman Larson, and Elias Pettersson only played 26 games last year. Obviously, health is a small concern for him. But he comes back. He's elite. Garland and Oliver ekman Larson are so much better than the $12 million that they shipped out in that trade. Right? Like, it's, it's not even close. It's not That was not some even masterful good. work. Like, I don't think Jim Benning's gotten nearly enough credit. I yeah. know he's been ripped for a number of different things. And I think it's even fair to include some criticism on Travis Hamanick and not doing your homework on that over the summer, assigning him to a new deal. Uh, him being on waivers, of course, as well to start the year. But I think dumping those contracts that were an anchor on your team, essentially what you did is you made a bet. You kicked the can down the road. You said, look, our issue is getting rid of those contracts. Now we need to get into the playoffs this season. And if Oliver Ekman Larson is no good and doesn't turn out, well, then we're, we'll ultimately be in a similar type problem later on, but we'll deal with that then when we have to. I think Oliver Ekman Larson, you know, you look around my, my one question is who's going to partner with Quinn Hughes. I really think they missed Tanev on the blue line and, and mm-hmm. Hughes missed him last year, second season in the league. Everybody focuses on you a little bit more. I think Quinn Hughes will have a better defensive season and you know, his offense speaks for itself. He's an elite offensive defenseman, but that to me is, is it going to be a Pullman? Um, are, are they, are they going to play Myers with them? That's got to be the key is because the partner with Quinn Hughes just has to be someone who can be so, solid defense defensively make the easy play you know short passes i think that could be pullman why not yeah that could be that guy in 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 winnipeg yeah Uh, so i and i really like connor garland i think he adds now brock besser's banged up to start the season so they hope that's not too serious but i think that seem odd to you though 88 and a half like so even if they don't get in i still see them in that 93 94 point range right there knocking on the door yeah i I would think the rest of the division isn't that good yeah, I would take over for sure. Um, LA to me is the wild card team. Um, if their improvement likely comes from a lot of youth, and I'm always hesitant to want to jump too much in on youth. It's rare that a team with a, led by a bunch of young guys really leads. Now they still got Dowdy and they still got Kopitar, obviously. And Dowdy's highly competitive. He's highly motivated. He, trust me, he wants to be on that Olympic team. The thing I like about Drew Dowdy is he doesn't he doesn't give you the BS stock answer. He's like, of course I want to be on that team, right? That's a motivation for him. And I think Tyler and I talked to him at the yeah. player media tour, asked him all those same things. Oh, he, he and does- then by the way, he came up to me in the hallway after he goes. Was I on your Olympic team? I was like, dude, I didn't do one, but I'm sure you wanted to know. Oh, and you know what? You, it's the old Michael Jordan. You got to find out anything that motivates you. And Dowdy, I've always liked him because Dowdy doesn't give you cookie cutter answers. He, I like, like he doesn't play a cookie cutter game. When he gets lit up by the best player, he's like, yeah, of course I'm going to get lit up by McDavid every now and then because he's a great player. But I look for if I stop him eight out of ten times, I'm doing pretty good, right? Like he's, he's a, he's a breath of fresh air to talk to. He's ultra competitive, and I think LA, their young guys are going to benefit from having like. Him and Kopitar, who two real professionals, right? And, you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, Quinton got hurt already. So, you know, that's bad news. But L.A. to me is is they could push for it if their young guys all take the step that you hope they take. So what would you think is the over-under on points bet for the Kings this season, their point total? 84. It's, yeah, it's 83 and a half. Ooh. So if you have them, you have them four or five. I have them fifth. I have Calgary fourth, LA fifth. I I just, I don't know what Calgary is. Yeah. There's been lots of talk. There's been lots of talk about what is the flames identity? How do you make an identity? That's been the question that's been posed to Daryl Sutter in press conferences. I feel like more times than I can count. I, I, I don't know what they are. Obviously, you know, you hit on Tanev, Earlier leaving Van and and last year, I mean, Markstrom should be better this year. Johnny Gaudreau's in a contract year. We know that can go either way. I, I just, I don't know what they are. Well, having watched them, and I know it's preseason, but their last preseason game was basically all regulars. And even in their first preseason, the games that I watched, I felt like Calgary just played slow. They did. They don't look like, I look in their top six, you know, they got good top six players, Kachuk, Monaghan, 
You know, uh, but how many of them are like, who's the real burner in their top six? Like, I just don't know if they play. I think they want to play similar to the Daryl Sutter Kings of 2012, 13. Well, that's 14. absolutely what they want to play. I just don't think they have the goods yeah, to do they it. They don't have the horses. They're, they, they're totally different style of players. So um, now they do have, you know, Dylan Dubé. They got Manji Apani. They got some guys who could take steps this season offensively. But Calgary's a real hard one to pick. If, if all of their guys show up, then they've got potential to be a pretty good team. But I, I really, I still question their defense, Frank. Um, That's why they have them fifth. I have them behind yeah. LA. Like they, if you look at their top pair in defense compared to Vancouver's or Edmonton's or Vegas or, or even LA, I would argue that Calgary of those five, their top pair is the weakest. They don't, I don't, they don't have an, a number one for sure. I don't even know if they have a number two defenseman. Maybe yeah, like Rasmus Anderson is that guy. Tanev mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. What is he? Like Tanev's really valuable when you play him with a highly offensive player because he he's good enough defensively to cover it up. But if if you're not playing him with a high octane offensive guy, then they're they're not going to create much offense. So you know he doesn't his value I think kind of lessens a little bit in that role. Mm. And that leaves us with the Kraken. Yeah, I'm not. You know what? I, I've seen so much hype on the crack and I think there's a little bit of recency bias because of the a Vegas little? Golden Knights and everything that happened there. And I went through it. And so when the Vegas Golden Knights, they finished fifth in 2018 in goals for fifth for an expansion team. William Carlson was out of his mind. He had 43 goals. Eric Holla. Colin Miller had 41 points. Yeah. Hey, Eric Holla had 29 goals, right? Everyone Marcia talks so about, oh, Marc-Andre Fleury being the backstop to that. Remember like, the played. longest time that he didn't play and like Malcolm Subban went on like an 11 game winning streak? But did you Remember see, that? Frank? Their, their, their backup goalies played 36, uh, 36 games. Marc-Andre Fleury played 46. Their backup goalies... They're, they got more wins from their backup goalies, and those guys have had games played since, right? Legacy has, the, you know, I think he played one, made one appearance in the NHL. So Oscar Dance played three games that year. He had like a 946 save percentage. He was unconscious. Three wins. He hasn't been back. Like they had the, the career, they had a, co a collection of like 12 career seasons all at oh, once. Oh, yes. Yes, defensively, offensively. So, no, I think Seattle finishes six because I um, I don't think that their offense, they don't have the top six to compete because when Vegas had all these guys have career years, Frank, they were between the ages of 23 to 27. I went through Seattle's top end guys. The youngest one is 28, right? Unless you think McCann's going to be in their top six. But guys like Schwartz and Eberle and Gord, like those guys are anywhere from, from 29, most of them 29 to 33. Like you, it's rare that suddenly they're going to have better years than they've had in the past. And even, even 60 point season. So I don't see Seattle in. And the other thing, Frank, by the I'm, way, their top four defense. I'm not like they have good defense, but I don't think they got a number one either. No, no, I, I, I definitely don't. Or think a number two. Yeah, but they have the goalie in Grubauer. Yes. So you were pretty good on the Kings, unless you know the answer already. What do you think is the Seattle Kraken over under points total on points bet? Well, I'm going to say it's higher than the Kings because I've seen so many high predict. I'm going to say Seattle's probably like 88 and a half. 92 and a half. Oof. Yeah, see, there's there's a lot like I know a lot of the, you know, the, the so analytics. They, so base. basically the way they have if according to points bet and the over unders, they have Vegas Seattle one, third. Edmonton two, Seattle three. Yes. I, I don't know. I just don't. I'm not seeing it. And then they yep. have Calgary and Seattle tied actually at ninety two and a half. Hmm. Well, there, there's a lot of, and I've talked to guys who, who have their formulas and it's based off the analytics. And so I'm like, Hey, you know what? Some of those predictions have, have come, uh, have come right in the past for sure. Like Seattle's to me, interesting because of the new franchise in the league, but also because there's a very, um, everyone's expecting this Golden wide Knights. ranging opinions yeah. though. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I think Seattle is, uh, I don't think they're going to be as good as a lot of the, but I could easily be wrong too. That's what makes it exciting. I just, I know I, I crunch my numbers more on a lot of other things, age factor and, and looking like, cause if, if you think you're going to be Seattle, if you're going to be Vegas or close to it, like Vegas was top five in goals for, and they were eighth in goals against like, and that's with a backup goaltender that like everything went right there. There are three backups. Malcolm Subban, just got waived he's not going to be in the league this year right like like they're three goalies in 18 frank they're not it's even crazy in the league anymore crazy
Yeah, like it's not going to happen. And then, you know, Seattle, uh, sorry, San Jose and Anaheim. I have San Jose uh, slightly ahead just because I think they're defense overall. But both of those teams, I, I think they're in trouble. Like people forget San Jose, like maybe having Noah Vander Kane helps them from a cultural standpoint. Maybe if, you know, if they say there is that much uh, distractions and players not getting along. Okay. Makes but their the team thing worse was, though. Thing was last year on the ice, he was their best forward by a long shot. Yes. He was very consistent. Like he career came out years. So I want to talk about career years. His yeah. best season by far. Yeah. So, so uh, see- we got, we got 10 minutes left and I want to hit on the playoffs. First, I wanted to share some news that we saw out there on Twitter this morning, John Cooper getting a three-year extension as head coach of the Tampa Bay lightning that places him among the highest paid coaches in the league. Well-deserved on that front. Who do you got? Coming out of the East, what does your Eastern Conference final look like? What does your Western Conference final look like? Well, let's get to our uh, playoff prediction brought to you by DoorDash, proud sponsor of the Nation of Network podcast. Restaurants and more delivered right to your door. If you've never tried it, it's awesome. It can deliver food right to you. Of course, you got game nights coming up. You're like, I don't want to cook. I just want to get some pizza, maybe. I want to get burgers. Maybe you want to get a little uh, chicken parm, whatever you like. Go to uh, use the promo code RUNDOWNDD. And you will get free delivery and 25% off your first time using it at uh, DoorDash. So now for the playoffs, right? And by the way, we both have Edmonton, Vegas, and Vancouver in, I'm assuming, right? It's three yep. and five. Okay. Three and five, correct. Um, my, uh, my final four, I have uh, Colorado, Florida, Washington, and Edmonton. Washington, that's the surprise. Yes. Huh. I One have- last run, baby. One last run for the Caps. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, I, I still think Ovi and Backstrom are going to be pretty good for a while. Um, Ovi's going to keep scoring and keep scoring. I have him at 45 goals this year, 44 goals. Mm, I hope he gets 50. Well, that'd be awesome. Continues the assault on Gretzky's record, which if you're listening to Gretzky on on Turner and everywhere else, as he hopes he does it. Um, my final four in the East, I've got Toronto against Carolina. I think you have Toronto beating Florida and Tampa. Wow. Yeah. That'd be an unreal. Well, you have well them- I think Florida and Tampa are going to play each other in the bracket I have. Oh, so right. one of those okay. is going to get knocked out. Okay. And then that leaves, whether it's Toronto, Tampa, or Toronto, Florida, I just think the thing with Florida is they've made it pretty clear how they want to play. They want to run you out of the building. And what I loved about Tampa last year in the playoffs, they were like, yeah, bring it on. You want to try and play physical? We got we're cool with that too. We've got our line of Coleman, Goodrow, and and Gord. We can match up with anyone. We our D are big enough to take you on. Sure. I, I don't I don't know what kind of gas Tampa has left in the tank. And then if Florida does win, I just think that that style of play will play right into Toronto's hands. I think their defense can handle it, and I just think that they've got more scoring punch to get past them. All right. And then who do you have in the uh, West? In the West, I have Winnipeg against Vegas. A rematch of the conference final from 2018. Vegas, four out of five in the final four. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a bad run for them if they make it. Nope, but I think they fall flat and fall short again from getting to the final. So I've got Winnipeg and Carolina in the final. You can call it the Paul Maurice Bowl. Winnipeg and Carolina. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I have Colorado and Florida. Okay. And, and then I have... Who's your Stanley Cup champion? I actually... I have Florida. I, I'm, 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 I'm all in on Florida this year. I like that they, they've got goaltending depth. Brabowski's a good goalie. He's just overpaid. But uh, I don't even think he's going to be the starter in game one of the playoffs. He might not be. And that's that's a good problem to have. But they probably will use both at some point. Um, I love Barkoff and Huberdo. Spencer Knight is my Calder Trophy winner, by the way. So gives you an indication on how much I think he's going to play. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, So so here's the thing. I, I actually you know, I really like Florida's team. Here's the thing that I was looking up that I was trying to I couldn't really get them over the hump to get there and win the cup is it hasn't really happened in NHL history that a team comes in and doesn't have any sort of meaningful playoff success and goes all the way from not winning a round to winning the Stanley cup final. And I think that's the real hurdle is they got to, there's kind of got to be that 
in between. Like you think back to, I think it was 2008, the Blackhawks getting to the West final and you're like, okay, or maybe it was 2009. You're like, okay, this is a team that's clearly on the rise. And in this case, I just, doesn't there have to be that intermediate step or can you just come in and win it all? And that's the one thing I think sort of separating Toronto as well. Like I, I was actually flirting about flirting with the idea of picking the Leafs to win. Well, it's, it's a fair point because I've looked up a lot of that too. Like the, the one team that jumps out to me is Carolina. Now they did when they won the cup in 06, they'd actually, they lost the cup a few years earlier with a lot of different players though in, in Carolina. And then they'd miss the playoffs for four years and then they go to the conference final again, like for the longest time. They right, were the but they were in the franchise. conference final before the lockout and then win the cup after. Is that right? Well, no, they were in the, uh, they weren't there because Tampa Bay won the cup in 2003-04, right? Oh, Carolina that's right. Was, it was fly. It was Philly, yeah. Tampa. 2002, the uh, the Carolina had their kind of Cinderella run, which is four years earlier. And then yeah, they no, didn't make you're the right. Playoffs. They went two straight years not making the playoffs, and then there was the lockout, and then they came in and won the cup. Won the cup. So that was really the only team, Frank. It's so rare. I was, and then it's the, very rare. Coming out of the lockout, I don't even know if it counts because everyone's starting on the same footing. Yeah, no, it's true. And like Florida, Florida hasn't won a playoff series, man, since '96. So it would be it would be when an you amazing think of run. All the to teams do. that have won: St. Louis, Washington. Go back all these years, they've they've almost always had some kind of heartbreak, heartache, failure that yep. they've learned from that I don't know. I, I like Florida and I think they have as good a chance as any. I just I'm not seeing it. And that's what another reason why I like Winnipeg. This core has been tested a little bit in the playoffs. So Winnipeg is my cup pick. So what what was it about that you didn't like in Colorado? Something just seems a little off there. And I I, I think their defense um first off they're the trendy pick and like part of me is like i could easily see colorado winning and maybe it's unfair for me to say something's a little off i just don't like picking what everyone else is doing these are called bold predictions not you know the picks everyone else is making and so i mentioned how much i like um kemper and net i he's my vezina pick actually um the back half of their defense and i you you mentioned it uh, last year in the playoffs and, and Nathan McKinnon talked about how fragile they were, that they were pushed around a little bit and they wilted. Um, I don't like, obviously McCarr is such a talented player. I wonder what they would have looked like last year. If Eric Johnson was yes. healthy, Bowen Byram, I would imagine takes a bit of a step. Curtis McDermott gives you a little bit more bite, but Ryan Murray, like, like, again, I'm just not seeing it. Um, That's fair. I love Devon Taves. I think Samuel Girard has a lot to learn and continue to grow. I don't like their, their defense to me doesn't in the, in the depth form, it doesn't scream playoff hockey. That's totally fair, Frank. And I, I, I compared Colorado's defense to the final four defense teams last year, and it wasn't even close, uh, especially their top four when it comes to size and skill. And like I, I'll say this, and some people don't like it. They want to call me, a, you know, it's sizeism. That's fine. I don't think you can win a Sam and Gerrard's in your top four. Can't win in the playoffs. I just, the way the game's defended now, you can't. He, he's small to begin with, and then he plays with a, like a, a, a mini stick. He's got the shortest stick in the league. He doesn't, he doesn't cover any ground. It's like a souvenir stick. So um, I, I honestly. I always loved a good souvenir stick. Yeah, Colorado, and, until they have Gerrard in their third pair, or they have other guys in their top four. I don't think that's that's why I didn't have them winning the cup either. Hmm. And I, I'd really thought long and hard about does Edmonton knock off Vegas this year coming out of the Pacific? I, I'm just not I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, I I think I think Edmonton is going to. There's a lot of people that are concerned about their their team. I, I know Mike Smith, and I, I like Mike Smith because he's he's he, he reminds me a little bit like Drew Doughty. He's like I didn't age ten years. It's four months. <laughs> so right and it's a valid point right it's a yeah. it's a valid point and Koskinen will be better he's not gonna be 899 he's you know he's not gonna have to play 12 games in a row um he's not gonna be without his family for four months like that stuff can weigh on a person you're still mm-hmm. a human as he said at the end so I actually think Edmonton and the big reason why Frank Edmonton has the best forward depth they've had in 15 years um and, and maybe better because their top two guys are better than anybody they had in 06 when they had three really good lines running in the playoffs but they didn't have a mcdavid or a dry mm-hmm. and like warren fogel zach hyman give them some added size and speed pull is, is a huge human and uh, is is i think gonna have a breakout year uh i just i, I think edmonton team is gonna surprise uh, a, a lot of people in the i think fact they're gonna that, be really good yeah like they're and like mcdavid let's end they're on this what's your team 
What's your McDavid point prediction? 151. Ooh. I think he's the first player since Mario Lemieux in 96 to be a 150-point player. Nah, I'm at 147. I uh, um, I know he was on pace last year for 153, um, and like the the and I, the reason I think he's for sure over yeah. 140, Frank, is because there's going to be more power plays, and Edmonton's got the best power. Zach play. Hyman's gonna he's gonna deliver so many pucks to him that yeah. they, he otherwise didn't have the help on. So we had our we did these daily faceoff predictions across all eight guys that have joined our team: Burnside, Greeley, Gregor, McKenna, Peel, Salvador, myself, and Tyler Uremchuk. The average on McDavid points across the eight guys was 138. 130. What was the low? The low was Bryce Salvador at 123. He says McDavid goes, his theory and his computation was 5% above his career average. Hmm. Interesting. That's the way he looked at it. He did it purely based on math. Very based on math. All right. That's that's interesting low that he's only going to be 123 because like career average is great. But the only problem is if you look at McDavid's first few years till his last three years, like and historically, story, yeah. historically from like the elite guys, Lemuse and Gretzky. This is their time. This is their time. Yeah, 100 percent. So it'll be fun to watch, man. I think I think this year there's going to be more 100 point players in the NHL than we've seen in a lot. Like there was seven in uh, in 2006 and 2007. I think there's going to be eight. Imagine or if more. they played more on the ice. <laughs> hey, dude, I'd be all over that. Imagine <laughs> if they called penalties, Frank. I, I feel like there's a story penalties. coming there. There's a total story coming there. Like, I, I think it's, I definitely think it's worthwhile to. Um, I, I know we talked earlier off the top about how um, that that would that would alleviate the, you know, paying guys more money because the the PA would probably never want to go for reduced rosters. I understand it. I totally understand why, because that's lots of uh, potential jobs. But for the excitement of your league, it's at least something to consider. Hey, we're not trying to take any jobs away. I'm just saying they should just play less. I don't know why the third or fourth line guy deserves 10 or 12 minutes a night. That's all. Frank, it'll be fun. Um, uh, Quickly on John Cooper, kind of a no-brainer extension for Tampa Bay. Yeah, and I can't wait to find out what his theme is, what he's got cooking up. Last year was, is your cup full? after just winning one Stanley cup. Now they've got two. That's the toughest, gotta be the toughest thing as a coach is coming up with something spicy to keep your players motivated going for a third cup. Wow. There's, there's lots of memes revolving two cups that people will probably use oh, on oh, the internet oh, in regards to What a way to, to end. Thank you for that. I'm just saying, you know how the internet works. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to you on uh, Friday. Frank we will have actual NHL games this season to discuss and good Can't luck wait. on your new show starting today. We look forward to it. The Daily Face-Off show, Monday to Friday, 12 noon Eastern, live. We'll even have an appearance from Tyler daily. I don't know what we are getting ourselves into. Awesome. That's uh, That's been episode 70, the Dmitry Kulikov of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Fantrax. Get in now. You got some time. Get your fantasy league in. You're doing a redraft. You're doing a keeper league. Whatever it is, you can get it. And just sign up for free if you just want to join a, a random league. You can go to Fantrax.com slash DFO Rundown. And uh, you get in there, and also when you're there, you can enter to win a signed Nathan McKinnon jersey. Will he hit 100 points for the first time in his career? Easy. Yeah, I would probably agree with you, Frank. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.